Oh, hello. Fancy seeing you here on a Monday morning, but glad you could join us. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, we will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their businesses to success in an ever-competitive business climate. So pour yourself a hot cup and enjoy the show. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Sarah Colada. She is an architect and digital strategist with a narrow specialization in vernacular architecture. She found her services to be in demand by companies globally. Interested in business possibilities deriving from positioning herself as an expert online, she became an ambassador for digital transformation in the architecture sector. Today, she runs a training program called Architecture Masterclass where she helps architects record profitable online courses. With this project, she hopes to encourage individual scholars, consultants, and expert architects to develop an online presence and create profitable online courses, contributing to the creation of a platform for online education and architecture. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I know we had trouble connecting right away, um, but here you are. So I'm really have uh, I'm really happy to have you have you on. Your background is fascinating to me. So I, I would like it if you if you could just unpack your story for us a little bit um, and start start with growing up in communist Poland and how you started doing um, what you are doing right now. Maybe resulting from that uh, that time you spent in Poland growing up under communism. Sure. Thank you. Yes. Definitely. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm Polish and I'm, I've been born in the 80s. So, uh, you know, I like to talk about how my generation has gone through so many changes. I, you know, when I go back to the memories of my childhood, I remember uh, really metal fire trucks. And then I was growing with Walkman and and then there was Tamagotchi and all these little things that now they just are, you know, it's such a blast from the past kind of memories, but, uh, but they were really crucial, uh, fun memories. So the childhood when all this technology was coming out, we were all very excited to jump on it. And I very often talk about my childhood in that sense because I feel that, you know, when you speak of those little things, that those little technologies like a Walkman, it feels so ancient. But I'm only 32, you know, I'm actually young, and uh, and I have seen so much development in technology that uh, I have definitely had moments of resisting it, and I have been also very inspired by it. And so I represent a generation that looks at those things from many different angles. And uh, I think that there is a lot of people in my age that have really consciously decided not to jump on every single technological advancement that there was presented in front of us. So uh, just as an example, a lot of us don't have Instagram or perhaps are not that active on Facebook, you know, and I'm not generalizing, I'm just saying that it is out there. Um, And so I see that some generations are progressing much faster than others. So I like to talk about my childhood from from the perspective of how far we've come in technology really yeah and one of the things you um one of the things you were i read in your bio was that so 
where you're a perfect example of the resistance that you had to technology was when you moved to Guatemala, you started the charity. I would like to kind of unpack that. I mean, how many people, how many people uh, move somewhere like that in their 20s, start a charity? That's, it's pretty incredible. Um, but that you, you know, you, it was all about the preserving and, and helping with the vernacular architecture and building down there. But then you realized that it's got to, it's got to adapt, right? And, and one quote that you said is, I, I would really like you to talk about this is, that was a beautiful way for you to express your anarchy. Yeah, it's true. I am an anarchist at heart, that's for sure. And uh, the story goes a little bit um, back, a few years back, before I moved to Guatemala. I actually uh, was at my last year of university in Central St. Martins in England, in, and uh, was doing architecture there. And I took uh, some time out to actually work as an architectural intern in Shanghai. And I moved there for quite a few months, and I remember that uh, we were working on grand visions. We're building this huge urban planning, you know, projects and uh, artificial islands and, you know, museums, and everything was just being designed at once. And uh, China was developing so fast, as it still is, really. Um, so it was a really great place to go and practice architecture for, for someone straight from, from school. Uh, but I remember that as I was living in Shanghai, right next to People's Square, I had to walk to the office every day, passing by this quarter, um, which was basically completely kind of, you know, um, kind of cut out from the city. And one day I just got really curious and I wandered in there and I noticed that, well, to my shock really, there was uh, a lot of people, indigenous people that originally lived on the lands and they just kind of got squished into that one quarter because all these big corporations were buying lands to build, you know, massive glass buildings and, you know, multi-story buildings. And I realized really that, yeah, I mean, at the end of think about it, and that wasn't something that I was thinking about before, there were indigenous people here that were, you know, utilizing that land, growing on it and living on it. And out of a sudden, these big cities emerge and where do these people go? But even more so, where does the knowledge go and the, you know, the, the knowledge of utilizing nature? And it kind of terrified me, really, how fast we evolve and how that knowledge can be lost. So as part of my, I guess, response to a fear or overwhelm of this, I, you know, couldn't think of anything else to do with myself but to kind of devote to it. And, uh, and yeah, starting a charity <laughs> was uh, my solution to it. I wanted to work with indigenous communities, extracting their knowledge. And as I traveled a little bit more after I graduated uh, London, I basically started realizing that in every community there is elders that still remember how to build with earth, bamboo, wood. It's already quite well trained into building with, you know, the brick and, uh, and concrete and steel. And they didn't really want to know. They didn't want to learn from their grandparents because they just thought it's, it's poverty, you know, to live in a wooden or uh, an earthen building. And so I realized that technology and advancement actually cuts us away from our roots. And that was the reason why I started the charity, actually. What made you, yeah, so what happened, so after, so during that experience, right, is you, you, you were sort of having this backlash from just seeing an, an insane amount of rapid development, right? 
Um, I mean, China is an excellent example of that in the, in the 2000s where they were damming up these huge uh, gorges, right? And then they would, they would uh, displace a bunch of indigenous people. So, you know, the, from afar, we were, we were witnessing all that. So when you were in Guatemala and then you, I don't know, I think you spent like five or six years there. Is that? Yeah, I said. Yeah. So what, what was the turning point for you where you said, well, technology is okay. I mean, it's okay for them to, for us to adapt this stuff rather than just try to stick with mud and brick. I mean, where was that? Is there a certain time or, or something, you know, an event? Yeah. Yeah, there was an event actually. And that it's, it's really fascinating to me because it all goes down to business. So what happened was as I started my charity, I really had no idea about business and uh, I went right into deep waters and Truly, the first projects and building and managing a team, everything taught me everything of what not to do as a business owner. And uh, yeah, the first few years were tough. I definitely made a lot of mistakes and also learned a lot. And at some point, I started realizing also the potential of growing and scaling up. And it was, it's come to the point where I realized that actually I want to help more people. And what I'm doing is not scaling things up. So I understood the process of grassroots level project delivery and uh, preservation, working with indigenous technologies, but I was starting to get curious about what's next. And I think that's really what's gotten me to start contemplating about aspects of scaling up. And as I started researching that specifically in the era of business, this is when I realized digital technology, digitalization, digital marketing, uh, you know, and that really comes very much from the perspective of business. What can we achieve if we can share a message with more people? Um, and there was also a fact that as I, I grew over those five years, I built uh, a few private projects as well. And I had a situation where a company from Mexico City reached out to me because they had a client who wanted to build bamboo and they had no idea about bamboo. And so they were looking for experts in that specific niche. And I was thinking, oh, well, I always thought that an architect provides design services and here I go, I can do consulting online, you know? And that was like, wow. So what could I do with that? And this is really what's got me, you know, researching the subject. Now I know many tools and techniques and, um, you know, I'm utilizing them for my own business. But that's really, that really was a turning point. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I, yeah, so it seemed like outside pressures really, outside pressures or, de- or demands um, for you being able to explain these rudimentary technologies to people that are using high technology and then, and then sort of this, this symbiosis happened. I think that's great. Um, one other thing before we kind of get into some further digital transformations, um, because I, I have some questions I'd like to ask you about that, is that uh, do you, what do you, right now, the economy is, you know, everybody knows what's going on with the economy right now. It's, it's, it's going south pretty quickly. We're going to see some, some catastrophic numbers come out. I mean, some of the economists that I listen to, I'm big into economics, understanding economics, understanding history and how that plays out. And I, I got to ask you, because I don't get too many people on this, on this podcast, especially that who grew up under communism is, so, you know, we're seeing as a result with the catastrophic things that are going on with the economy, maybe 30% unemployment rates, uh, 25% hits the overall GDP, like massive um, 
massive problems. So, and then some of those solutions are universal basic income, a lot of social, socialistic, uh, fascistic sort of things are going to come out of this. What do, what do you think about, you know, prior to this? And then as we head into this, about our generation, I'm a millennial too, I'm 37. You already said you're 32. About our generation being so sympathetic towards socialism and communism. And do you think we're going to snap out of this? Or is this going to exasperate us into that psyche and that more sympathy, sympathetic uh, psyche further? You know, it's a really good question. And I think that it's really hard to speak for the masses because I always seem to have a little bit of a more alternative viewpoint, maybe um, a positive outlook or perhaps the way I would, I love to believe that I can live in the world that I would um, really cherish to be in. And so um, I hope that we will move into more sharing economy. I hope that we will um, see how the fact that we were so dependent on big corporations, on employment, on economy, all in all, uh, has actually positioned us in a very vulnerable position. And I believe uh, that we, we can be independent in a way, not completely from the system, but we can from, for example, um, by living independently from the land. And of course, that today, today's society is very much preserved for the privileged ones. But, uh, you know, when you look to, at places of poverty, they, these people, all the fact is access to land. A lot of times, nothing else, right? And, um, and so there has been a disconnect the way we live with nature, the way we occupy this planet. And that is seen more as a disconnect of consciousness, I would say, rather than resources for, uh, for, for example, a way in which we can make our system economically or politically work. Because even though I see, for example, in poverty like Guatemala, where I lived in, people had their land, they didn't have the knowledge, no longer the knowledge of how to utilize it to grow out of it. And it was almost shocking because indeed to afford seeds of vegetables and fruit to provide for your family in poverty wasn't really that much of an investment, but they were not practicing that. So that shows that there is a certain disconnect in us as human beings as to how we can utilize nature. And that also goes back to the, to the example of how we live, you know, like we build dependent on building suppliers and not from earth. Right. And so I very much always wanted to gain that independence by being able to build a home out of nature, for example. This is something that, you know, this is this is one of my biggest passions in life is to build with nature. And uh, and I do believe that by thinking differently about the system and how we obtain food, how we collaborate, how we do business, um, we can create a different economy and a different system. Perhaps it's not going to be communist system. It's not going to be the system that, you know, democratic system. Maybe it's going to be a new system. I feel like we need a new system. <laughs> and I, I would love to believe that, uh, you know, hopefully in my lifetime, I'll be able to experience more of it. I already know that there is a lot of new initiatives, green initiatives, 
conscious businesses appearing and and I would love to see more of it happen and I would also love to see people making different decisions for themselves. Yeah, and and obviously I think technology is going to play a large part in that, right? It should play yeah. a large part in that and there is going to be this larger dis- disruption. I mean, there's all kinds of theories that I've been hearing about lately and you know one of them is well we gave China a shot they honestly failed and it's proving that they failed at being a uh, reliable distributor and supplier for most of the world's goods. And I, th- I think one point that you hit on and that we're relying on these large corporations too heavily and we see how quickly things can go south because it, we're basically making this big stack of cards and if you pull one card off from the bottom, the whole thing falls down. So I got to wonder if, and, and then the other point that you made, which I think is really good, that kind of ties into my next question is that, what if there's this decentralization that happens where people, this is the wake up call they needed to realize how vulnerable they were economically by relying on other people, not on themselves, uh, uh, securing their own food, their own water and everything like that. And one guy that I had on the podcast a little bit ago, a while ago, his name is Randall Toole. He actually makes a really, he's a libertarian um, think tank, uh, American economic analyst. And one of his, one of his big things um, that he likes to stay, talk about, and it's pretty controversial, is that we should actually be encouraging more single family homes instead of this idea of density. I mean, because, you know, you point to New York. Uh, well, I'm pointing to New York and you see people are stacked on top of each other. And that's the hot spot in the United States right now. We're recording on uh, April 6th. For uh, to 2020 about how many cases of COVID there are, and then you have the rural states in in America like Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota. They haven't even put in stay-at-home orders because they're like we're already social distancing just because we don't. It's more sparsely spread out. So, so what my question is is then, what kind of technologies do you think would enable us and empower us to be a little bit more individualistic and? Uh, still be connected because you and I are connecting all the way across, you know, the Atlantic ocean right now, but at the same time, go out in the countryside or at least have our own space and be able to grow our own food and a little bit, be a little bit more independent so that once we're more independent collectively, we, we can, we can navigate these troubled waters um, like 3d printing, you know, are you following anything, stuff like that as far as building houses or what do you see on the horizon to help that help with that? You know, I, I just think this is so great that you're asked about this because one thing that I want to start is answering this question with is, you know, technology is not bad. We sometimes just want to take a, you know, a position, like either be all in on it or doubt it. The thing is that if we utilize it well, it can really help. Like look at the lifestyle I'm having right now. I'm basically at a farm. I'm extremely privileged to be invited with my friends at, a, at their holiday home, which has access to a lake. We have nature here. We have spent uh, two weeks of forced quarantine here, but now we're free to go and walk the forest and whatever. And so I have more access to nature than I did when I was in Berlin just a few weeks ago. But in the same time, I am connecting with people all around the world and I'm still making money and I'm doing business online and I'm capable of really choosing how I want to spend my time and minimize it to just the basic focus point of like, okay, this and this thing is going to help me move forward with my business. All the rest is just white noise. And so I, I started to realize that this is much healthier for me than being present at 
everything I need to go through in a big city to just go out there and show myself out to people to then extract only here and there some conversations or some business meetings that were really, really worthwhile. You know, and the time you spend on all of it and how, you know, instead of doing things that nourish you, you just put your energy to just being in that big space, right? So going back to your question, I think that literally every technology out there can be of use. You just need to ask yourself, what do I need and, and what tools are out there? Learn those tools and very much, you know, see also looking at what is needed. So, you know, like you've given an example of actually the 3D printing. I found it really fascinating how out of a sudden with certain, you know, medical equipment or even the masks, they, they created all these open source plans that they released to online. And if you do have a 3D printer, you can start printing medical, you know, equipment or pieces for the equipment, etc. So out of a sudden, even though you're an architecture firm, you can diversify your, your, um, what you're offering today um, to, to just help the general need and provide for the needs. And I think that the principle of this applies to all these transformations that we need to go through. So there was a need to connect and out of a sudden, Zoom became, you know, huge <laughs> in the last few weeks because of the need. And, and so let's ask ourselves really, what do we need, what the world needs, and how can we provide it, and what tools we need for it? You know, for some people, it's going to be, um, yeah, using more of BIM or, you know, scanning technology. Other people will move into 3D printing. Other people will start doing digital marketing for themselves and selling their services online and perhaps developing online businesses. Um, and I think that that ability to be flexible and understand that this is what the time requires for me is very important in the process. Yeah, I think those are all, those are all uh, great points uh, for sure. One thing I'm fascinated about is I, I'm just I'm a huge gardener. Uh, I've got uh, I spent the whole weekend gardening, planted all our planted our potatoes. Weekend before that was the berry patch. Weekend before that was I, we have ten raised beds in the back of our yard. We've got chickens. I'm so interested in food security because it, I mean, you just saw how in the States, I don't know what it was like over there, but in the States there were runs on grocery stores. And then on top of that, people have been worried and they should be about people already wash their vegetables, but they're even more paranoid about it. Right. Or like they're paranoid about like washing um, even the packages that, that it comes in. So I'm, I'm interested to see how, what happens from here. Will there be a boom in just people concentrating on food technology and will there be, uh, you know, technology, will there, will there be technology that comes out from that? Um, so you, one thing you talked about too was how this has been a kind of a blessing in disguise for you because I, I'm, you're, you're up in basically, you know, out, out of the city, you're in a rural place right now. It sounds beautiful, but you're still able to continue what you're doing. How, if people are listening to this right now, what would you recommend to them? Any kind of business owner is if they come to the conclusion after all of this stuff that's going on with the pandemic of, I want to decentralize my life. In other words, in other words, I want to do exactly what you talked about is if I have to go to an important meeting, I want to be able to do that. But at the same time, spiritually, mentally, physically, everything for you or other people, if they want to get to that place where, oh, I do, I'm out in the, I'm a little bit more rural. I'm out in the suburbs or I'm even further than that, but I still want to maintain my high tech business or anything. What kind of technologies or how do they position themselves to be able to do, you know, what you're doing? 
Yeah, great question. You know, I just think that first and foremost, let's not be idealistic and sound like a hippie here, you know? Yes, changing our lifestyle to live in nature would be amazing. But after all, the system is not going to change that much that we're going to go back to exchanging chicken for eggs, etc., etc. Money is a big factor, a fluid factor that unfortunately we can see how much it rules everything, right? So, and, and it, it's in, interconnected to our health, the health of the planet, the ability of us showing up to work as we see now. So everything is so interconnected. And I think that let's, let's not, not mention the big elephant in the room. In order to be able to do it, you need to find your own way of income. And in order to do that, uh, there is, there is so many tools out there, but you need to ask yourself a question of, you know, is it worth it for you really seeing now the situation that we've gone through, et cetera, is it worth it for you to actually become independent by earning your income from your own knowledge, your own expertise, um, your life journey, your personal story, your personal reason why? Uh, your connection to the problems that you might be seeing out there that you want to solve and also the people that will benefit from you solving that problem. And I think that very much so by answering all these questions and deciding that, yes, you know, perhaps that's something for me to explore, that the next thing is understanding the tools and how to do it. And you won't be able to do it unless you follow uh, a script. And there's been already enormous amount of people that have done that in many industries and one of the reasons why I am preaching so heavily uh, digital transformation and digital marketing techniques to architects is because I see it succeed in so many other industries and people are able still to maintain their passion and have a day job or work for big corporation or whatever but also slowly slowly develop a business that is basically centered around them, their expertise, and the value that they can give to others. They can give to others without a need of anything else but a few tools that you're frankly responsible for. So it's just something to consider, you know, that gaining financial freedom or freedom from a system is a way true freedom because then it allows you to make other decisions if you're dependent on the system by for example having to work for the big brother or having to um you know go to buy your groceries in a local store a situation like COVID-19 shows how vulnerable you become in a moment of a pandemic for example so when little not a little element but one element of our livelihood called health gets threatened everything else collapses and so um I think that people that are thriving in my, in my environment, at least, are the people that already had been contributing and developing businesses online. And, um, you know, and maybe tech industries, the people that are developing apps and, 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 you know, providing value through technology. So the question is really a very personal thing to answer. You know, is this 
is this something you want to do? And if so, there is endless tools and techniques that you can implement in order to uh, to become an expert online and to sell your knowledge and to get uh, you know a residual income based on your expertise. But it's uh, but then again, you need to find a mentor. You need to find someone who's done it before so that you don't reinvent a, a wheel because there's a lot of knowledge out there. A lot of people have done it already and are doing it very successfully. Yep. I agree. I, uh, that's one of the things, one of my epiphanies uh, and Alex's too, going through just even design architecture design school, Rich, right? Which was, uh, you know, over a decade ago now was that um, good artists uh, copy, great artists steal. And so you apply that to everything, right? And the idea is, no, you're not actually stealing a building or something, but you're taking, there's no, there's no wheel. I mean, there was one wheel that was invented, but after that, then there's just in modifications and you're, and you're building on top of prior technology. That's just, that, that's the system we, we live in. So transitioning then, I think is a good transition. Tell us about your masterclass. What is that all about? How did you get started? And you know, what is, what kind of masterclasses do you offer? Yeah. So, um, this is great. And, you know, um, Going back to this concept that I shared with you before about scaling up, I think that when you are truly interested in business, there is, comes a point where wherever you're doing, you've got to question, how can I 10x it or 20x it or provide more value to more people with what I'm doing as I'm growing in expertise, as I'm becoming more proficient with the way I run my, my team or make my income, etc. And I think that uh, it very much goes down to this. Um, you know, most of the connections in the architecture world I made were with architects that have been building also with sustainable materials around the world, bamboo, earth builders, architects. And I just thought as I was learning all these tools of digital transformation, I thought, how great would it be to share it with these people? Honestly, I mean, they're at times even more of an expert in the industry than me. And, and I know myself how far I had to travel, how far I had to go to learn skills from these people. So I thought, how amazing would it be if I share this with them? And that's how I created Architecture Masterclass. And really it's, um, it's a documented process that I went through as I was positioning myself as an expert online. But it goes even further than that. It goes into finding your why, finding your message, understanding really um, you know, what is the core um, thing that you want to solve with your product and going deeper into who you are, what's your story and what is the one and only thing about you that makes you unique and how can you monetize on that? And so it, um, it's really very much about the strategies and the processes that you, need, you would be implementing in any digital marketing, um, you know, um, system, whether you wanted to position your business or, or practice, right, etc. Uh, but, but this course specifically, or this program specifically tailors for architects who want to share their, their knowledge, their expertise online, and how do they find um, the right customer, the right niche, the right message, and also create the right product um, that would be, um, let's just say, really, uh, uh, really, um, beneficial for them, right? So that could profit them and sell well. And so it's very much about understanding how to do proper market research and really reach out to, uh, to that niche of your customer who will most benefit um, from your product. And so as a result, architects end up recording online courses and selling their expertise online, uh, but also develop a system of 
publications, just like we're doing. Both of us have podcasts. Both of us are interviewing experts. You can do something like this. You can write a blog. You can share your knowledge through live videos, webinars. So basically, just as you would uh, in architecture, when you grow as an expert, you get invited to lecture and you get invited to cross um, um, pollinate some publications, etc. cetera, uh, the same way, but just using digital platforms for it. That is fantastic. I th- what a great idea. I mean, and it was, it, those, when you have businesses that are created like, like the one you just described, I just love when there's an organic it's all organic because it's, it's, it seems like, you know, nobody's trying to force anything. I think when people try to force business ideas, that's not when it works. So I, I would commend you for just kind of letting that organic uh, flow happen and, and guide you that way. Um, so no, here's one question I, that I kind of, kind of wraps everything up for me when, whenever I have anybody on is um, because I just love the perspectives, different perspectives that people have uh, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time, what would you tell your former self before starting uh, this business or, or a different business? Oh God, publish everything you do. Literally share your journey with others because, you know, I, now I'm, I'm, I love sharing my message, but I think that a lot of people that get to know me or meet me, they're like, oh my God, you've done so much and where's that story end and what's happened there and da 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 and, you know, indeed, there's a lot of twists and turns and there were downfalls and there were peak moments and big realizations along the way. And all of this now is just a story that I can share with someone in 40 minute time. But, um, but I've learned so much along the way. And I think that being able to share that with others, because I'm not alone going through all these questions, all these concerns, wondering why, how, you know, what's next, etc. And I just think that when we put ourselves out there and share and break that first uh, concept of ourselves being, you know, that special or whatever, and just actually understand that we're just another representation of a human being that's probably asking the same questions as me somewhere else around the world. And being able to put yourself out there and really share that journey, I know it helps a lot of people and it would probably have a tremendous impact if I was doing it already for 10 years. So the one thing I would have I would have said to my, my former self is, you know, now is the time to start really. And don't wait a moment longer. Yeah. yeah. Just jump in, just jump in. Yeah. yeah. Document it all. I know we started our podcast in 2017 and I had wished, I wished we would have silently recorded it. Like uh, we wouldn't have published it until, um, until 2017, like I wish we would have documented it in real time. So we had to sort of like make things, not make things up, but we had to try to recall what, what occurred and how it happened and we dig up old emails and stuff. So I think that's, I think that's a great perspective. Um, well, this has been great. Where can people uh, go to find your masterclass, follow you or get in touch with you? Uh, masterclass dot, uh, so architecturemasterclass.com is where you can find out more about the the masterclass alone. Um, also, you can follow me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. It's Sarah Colata. And lastly, I have also a podcast called Arc Talk Tank, where I discuss aspects of digitalization and, and digital transformation for architects. I invite people that represent either the school of thought coming from a business perspective, education or architecture. And, uh, and yeah, so either of those. 
Uh, welcome to my channels. I also run a, a vlog on Medium, Sarah Colata, and there again, uh, especially now in the times of COVID, I talk a lot about the transitions that we all go through, either as practice owners or scholars um, at this time, specifically in the sector of architecture. So yeah, welcome. And I'm also encouraging to write me a message. You know, I'm very responsive and I love to connect with people and find out your story and to hear about what you're going through. Uh, so yeah, please connect. Beautiful. Thanks so much. So, thanks so much for being on, Sarah. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on the iTunes app. Tip your barista, and we'll see you next week for more Monday morning coffee with Inside the Firm.